Welcome back to Panic Mode, the podcast for gamers and game designers with your hosts who are now officially experts in their field because, uh, that's right, we have degrees now, Aiden and Shelby. I think you and I know more than anyone else that having a degree does not make you an expert in your field. Yeah, but uh, if anybody cares about that stuff, uh, you know, we have degrees now, we still have a lot to learn, but it uh, feels good to have a piece of paper that's worth, you know, some $30,000, so it's good. Good times. Maybe we can tell we're Canadian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Aiden, so what are we going to talk about this episode? Well, you know what's harder than graduating? Nothing. <laughs> uh, the Dark Souls games is what Ooh, I was going to say. but that's, uh, a, that's a good answer. <laughs> it, was, it was actually funny that I was, um, towards this last semester I was in, I was playing Sekiro and working on my papers at the same time. Mm. And, like, I, there was many occasions where I'd be weighing on one hand where it's like, okay, I'm going to, I got to beat this boss in Sekiro. Yep. I got to finish this paper. Yep. I want to do the easy one first. <laughs> and I'd have to weigh which one was harder. Oh, and man. Oftentimes the paper was easier. <laughs> Well, I guess that uh, that let you get a lot of papers finished on time, and uh, it's true. Uh, yeah, <laughs> handed in. <laughs> yeah, Sekiro is some kind of game. So, anyway, so we're talking about the Souls games. Yes, it? we are, and not just any specific Souls game, but rather the Souls games as a genre. So I, I put out a poll on Twitter last week, kind of figure out what to what to call these collection of games now, because since I think about Dark Souls in 2011, kind of kicked things off into high gear. We've been struggling to establish what exactly to call this series mm-hmm. or call this genre. I've heard Soul, Soulsborn, Soul Born, Souls Like, uh, the FromSoft genre of action adventure mm-hmm. games. And I think ultimately the poll I think of the From Software action adventure brand of games came out on top. But I felt okay. like that was a bit unfair because I did want to talk a bit about games that were made to this effect that were not by From Software. Yeah. So we're gonna go with the Souls genre for now. And that's uh you know what, I think that's canon now. Pat Pan- yeah. Podcast says so that's what we should all call it now. <laughs> That uh, sounds good. <laughs> uh, so for this episode today, I guess we've kind of gotten the feel as we've continued to do this podcast that we don't really analyze specific games like per episode. I know that we'll often have a topic and then we will bring in a multitude of games to sort of exemplify how that topic, like narrative or mechanic, how that works. And so this episode, it's not going to be any different. We're not going to be like reviewing these games. That's not what this is about. Instead, we'll be kind of talking about how this genre is formed and how it informs other games, how the Souls games have kind of revolutionized these new ideas that are being created and, and thought about and implemented all the time in all these different ways. Um, and it's really exciting and it's really cool. And, and we felt that it would be an interesting kind of place to have a discussion. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I think our fascination with the Souls genre kind of comes not from the fact that not only it's very new, Mm-hmm. That apart from the fact that it kind of started in the last ten to fifteen years, but it's also very weird. Yeah. That oftentimes we'll be coming to heuristics about game design where it's like, oh, players like to feel rewarded. They like to have things explained to them directly and well. And then Dark Souls and the Dark Souls like games just hilariously violate these heuristics. Yeah. And I just wanted to kind of to talk about the genre as a whole and figure out why why this is so weird and why it's so different from other video games and what mm-hmm. makes it work. Yeah. So for those who don't know, the games that are considered uh, I guess the the first sort of Souls like games uh, are all from software games, and they are Demon Souls, Dark Souls One, Two, and Three, Bloodborne, and the latest installment, Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice. So yeah, the Souls name obviously came from the fact that Dark Souls and Demon Souls were the first two. Yeah. And I think I remember this was back in like 2011, 2012, when 
me and the other fans of From Software were trying to figure out what the next game was going to be. We all just assumed it was going to be called Something Souls. Yeah. That uh, Bloodborne was originally le- leaked under the name Project Beast. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, it's going to be Beast Souls. <laughs> we thought, Logically. <laughs> well, we, we, as far as we know, like Souls was just like the title of the series yeah. now, and they're all just kind of loosely connected. But yeah. no, but that, that clearly went by the wayside. And actually, um, Dark Souls was, wasn't even the title they wanted for that game. They wanted to call it The Dark Race. Mm. But that had some obvious problems. Yeah, that seems not it a good idea. It had some problems with the English translation, so they switched. Yes. They kept it with Dark Souls, and much better. Now we have the Souls genre. <laughs> that was a terrible name. Um, awesome. So let's dive into what this uh, genre, if you can call it that. I know some people disagree that it's a it's a genre into itself. Well, itself. What constitutes a genre at the end of it is really just arguing semantics. But let's well, talk yeah. about what characterizes this genre as yeah. far as we're concerned. So we were kind of thinking about kind of what was required when we see not only the Souls games themselves, but the Souls-like games that are appearing and some requirements that we kind of noticed throughout these games. Uh, And feel free to to kind of jump in and say like yes or no to these. These are just kind of things that we've observed. So one of them is difficulty, of course. These games tend to be uh, quite difficult or or they're attempting to recreate the difficulty of Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and they have a specific um, focus on a combat system. It's often melee-centric combat, and uh, the enemy the enemies are often, um, I guess they're, like, very special in the way that they work. They all kind of have, like, a different sort of, like, attack that you need yeah. to either memorize or be aware of, um, which is hard. That's hard to do, right? So that's kind of part of where that difficulty comes from. I think this is, um, if you want to go back to our episode on difficulty, where we talked about this a lot, this is, this is challenging but not punishing. Yeah. That everything that throws at you is, is fair. Mm-hmm. It's not just trying to throw a ridiculous boss at you to say, look how freaking hard we are. It's more <laughs> just like, okay, like here's your next challenge. Have you prepared yourself to deal with this? Yeah. So the other thing that we noticed that was kind of a requirement for these games is the exploration. So this comes from the original kind of caveat of when uh, Dark Souls and Demon Souls was being created that um, Miyazaki, the creator, wanted to have a very... Uh, dungeon crawly like feel. So this is kind of a callback to the very old CRPGs, the computer role playing games, um, which were very centered around exploration and finding things and discovering things. And so this kind of dungeon crawl, dungeon crawling aspect was uh, very, very kind of like a central focus to what you're going to do. So if anybody knows of Dark Souls, um, it's I think it's part of it, why it's most beloved, is for its level design and for the different ways and the shortcuts you can open and the, the places you can go to um, and I think that kind of brings us to our next uh, bullet here, which is infrequent checkpoints. Yeah. Or I think that they kind of skirt this in some ways, that if we say, like, okay, what's the checkpoint in Bloodborne? People say, it's always the lamps. Or yeah. what's the checkpoint in Sekiro? It's always the sculptor's idols. But these things kind of are only sort of checkpoints in the sense that you also get checkpoints by finding shortcuts in level that will lead you back to that checkpoint so you don't have to play through the same areas again. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a different take on checkpoints, but... Compared to most other modern games, which autosave kind of arbitrarily very frequently so don't lose too much progress, these are very infrequent checkpoints, which I think contributes to the dungeon crawling. That totally. If you die while you're deep into a dungeon, you got to do that all again. Yeah. And that's why it's very tense. There's also uh, the concept of resource-based combat. Um, so I think this is... Uh, I guess easiest to understand with a stamina meter when you're when you're fighting somebody. So if you're swinging around a yeah. melee sword, um, you're gonna have something that's usually underneath your health bar or near your health bar. It's called your stamina meter, and that is basically how many swings you can take before you get tired and you need to take like a pause for a second. And there's been lots of iterations on what goes into these resource-based combat systems in a variety of the Souls-like genre. Mm-hmm. That there's um, 
like ammunition, for instance, or like a mana system, mm-hmm. showing how much you can even use a certain kind of attack. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, Sekiro has been adapted into the posture system, which is very different, yeah. where it's more just you're not so much damaging your opponent's health pool as much as like how well they can handle your future attacks now if you can stun them. Yeah. Compare this to a game like, say, Devil May Cry or God of War, or like, sorry, the, the older God of War games, mm-hmm. where it was just kind of you are just, you have unlimited power. Like, you can just, you can just go, 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 yeah. go. And the only real resource you hear here is if you attack, you can't dodge. Yeah. Which is present in Dark Souls as well, but Kratos never had a, a stamina meter. Yeah, there was never anything you were kind of like aware of the entire time. Um, unless you're like me and you're just not aware of the stamina bar at all. <laughs> and the one final bullet, which I think ties back to both all the other bullets, but particularly difficulty, is that whatever currency you have that levels you up, lets you buy new items, is lost upon death. Or at least significantly, a lot of it is lost upon death. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't, this is kind of going to be something we'll talk about a little later with the, the currency, but oftentimes in Souls games, what's so interesting about the currency is that not only is it your currency in the colloquial sense of like, yeah, it's like the money that you use to buy things with, but it's also what you use to level up your character. And so every time you have this currency available to you, you get to make a choice as to how you're going to spend it. And because it's literally the crux of like how you can do anything, it's very stressful to lose it. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just what you said, it ties back to difficulty. It's a very interesting mechanic that a lot of games are uh, are implementing, not just, you know, souls. Yeah. The, the souls and I think a lot of them have taken the very binary approach where if you die you lose everything you go down to zero yeah uh, secure is the only one that i've seen really be the exception to this where your points towards leveling up go down but if you do ever get like a level up point you get to keep it doesn't matter anymore and your money only ever gets halved Mm. which is really like embarrassing because you won't ever lose your last dollar because apparently the game rounds up so you lose exactly like so whenever you're fighting a boss and getting killed a lot, you always have one dollar and like zero points towards your next skill point you're just like yeah i know game i suck (laughs) stop that's great Oh, man. All right, so what about some other things that are often included in this genre? Yeah, so something that's often included to build off that currency point is that you can recover it, actually. Um, there, You have, usually it's one chance. Sometimes I've seen, I think Darksiders 3, right. actually, you have a couple chances. Um, but basically, you die, you lose all your gubs, uh, just your, your currency, <laughs> and uh, you, you go back to whatever checkpoint you were at. But then you can go back to that spot that you died at, and there will be either, like, there, it's usually, like, something shiny, uh, like glimmering, whatever, and you either pick it up, hit it, whatever, um, and it'll give you back the currency that you lost. So you kind of have like a, a second chance right. um, to get it back. But I believe, and this is dependent on the game, right? Like sometimes if you you die before you get back to it, you'll it's just gone forever. Um, so, or maybe sometimes it appears somewhere else and it's like halved. Uh, depends kind of how that goes. But that's an interesting aspect as well. There's also online co-op and PvP where you can join other players' worlds that are often included in Souls-like games. So this was a bit different, and I think this was actually one of the original selling points of Demon's Souls back in the day was this weird kind of innovative online system. It's typically when you see co-op or PvP in online games, it's more like you do a mission together and it's kind of separate from your real world. It kind of just exists in its own canon. Or if you go to a PvP match, it's just kind of like, oh, it's just off on some weird map somewhere. Like... Think about how it works in Destiny, for instance. Like yeah. Whenever you do PvP, it's just kind of in this imaginary world, and it's it's not really a part of the main game's canon. But in Demon's Souls, someone like enters your game world. Like you're, they, are, they have joined your server, they are attacking you, or they are helping you. Mm-hmm. And this is something that has been adapted into a lot of other Souls games. It's not as frequently used, because it's clearly kind of a weird feature to implement and balance. And mm-hmm. I know Sekiro kind of decided not to do this because their combat system was very weird and would, didn't really support PvP that well. Yeah. There's also uh, one of my favorites, the <laughs> replenishing health potions. Oh, God. Potions. <laughs> I don't know why this is only often included. I hate it when it's not included. Yeah. So in Dark Souls, it comes in the form of Estus flasks, 
Um, these are flasks when you die, they will automatically be replenished. Um, or when you rest at a bonfire, yeah. I think they're also replenished. Um, so basically it's just, you can, you can use them. And then, uh, so let's say you, uh, you get collect more often as you level up. So right. later in the game, you will have more of these kind of health vials that you can pop when you need them. Um, so let's say you have six and you use, you know, all six when you're fighting a boss and then you die. Well, don't worry. They'll be reloaded when you come back. Um, so your health items, those are different. Those will d- be depleted like as usual, but these yeah. special kind of health items will actually just replenish. And I find um, that games that don't do this, <laughs> like I think Demon Souls didn't do it, Bloodborne didn't do it, and there's a few other in the Souls-like genre, like um, I don't think Hollow Knight does it as well, We don't get your healing items back. Uh, Hollow Knight has a special heal. Well, it's your heal is like your is like your man is it's tied to like your mana system yeah. essentially, yeah, but you don't is. you don't recover it. No, I don't think so. So, and I I find that a little bit frustrating, especially when like essentially all the game is incentivizing you to do is to go farm your health files. Cause yeah. If I'm struggling with a boss fight, I'm not just gonna go in without all my healing items. Yeah. So I just have to go back, get some more healing items, whatever process that takes, waste some time, and go again. And I think that's just. I think that is getting into the realm of punishing, mm-hmm. where I failed this boss fight a lot, I'm struggling, and I'm being punished by the game for it by being made to go get more health items yeah. before trying again. I don't think that's cool. So the last aspect that is often included, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, is a minimal but serious story. So this is kind of the cryptic stuff where you're not really sure what's happening, and there are a bunch of random NPCs that all mutter like this garbage nonsense, and you're just like, okay, I guess that's cool. And why and- there's a whole, <laughs> this is also probably why there's a whole community of YouTubers out there who pour over every item description in every from software game to try to figure out what the heck is happening in the story. Yeah. Um, so this is really cool. This is a kind of an interesting aspect, I think, personally, from from a narrative standpoint of having these, you know, minimalist, weird right. uh, kind of narratives that aren't delivered in kind of, I guess, the way that we've come to expect with, you know, talking to people and the plot is kind of laid out for you and there's cutscenes right. that are describing where you are. Um, it's, it's cool. It's different and it's interesting. And I think it's kind of fun. Um, but it also depends on what you're playing the game for. If, if you're playing the game to, you know, understand the narrative the first time, I don't know, maybe you won't enjoy it as much, but if you watch some of the lore videos, those are really fun. (laughs) I would be very intrigued to be like a fly on the wall in the narrative meetings for these kind of games, because really it goes down to like these really minute details and the level design and the item descriptions and things like that. that, Things that don't really fall to like the the lead designers as much. Totally. So I wonder, it's like, this is, okay, like this, is, this is kind of what happened here. How do we portray this? Or how do we like give clues to this is what yeah. happened Yeah, so these games, they, they do have a story. Don't get me wrong. They do have, I think they have like these, these wonderful, very right. rich stories. They're just not delivered in a way that's immediately apparent, which is cool. And I, I my, my sly suspicion, however, is that just from software as developer was not like as equipped to build the story for the original yeah. Demon Souls game. So yeah, just kind of maybe. put it by the wayside for now. Mm-hmm. And that kind of became a, a staple in it for a while. And I think games are slowly moving away from that where they realize yeah. that having a lack of a story is not actually like the most <laughs> important bullet <laughs> in being a part of the soul genre. Yeah. Even from software included now, Sekiro is having the most active story I've seen in one of their games or one of their souls games. Yeah. So let's talk about some other games that you played that fall in the soul genre that is not made by from software. So the first one uh, that I love, this is personally one of my favorite games ever. It's called Hollow Knight. Right. Uh, it's a 2D game, uh, Souls-like game, I guess. I feel like we've seen a lot of these lately, like yeah. uh, a 2D take on the Souls genre. Yeah, there's been um, yeah, there's been quite a few, um, but Hollow Knight is the one that really stands out for me. You play as a little Hollow Knight, very cute. Uh, you got a little sword, and you it's basically the same mechanics as Dark Souls, where you have each enemy sort of has its own attack patterns that you come across. Uh, you have currency that you can use 
um, to to make purchases to help level up your character. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty much all the bullet points except this one's two D. Yeah, except it's two D. It's great. It's a great game. I would highly recommend. Very fun. Uh, there's also Neo, which was like, oh, released okay. I think last year or the year before. I think it was two years two ago. Years this ago. was a game that was apparently in development for like fourteen years and used to be a movie yeah, and stuff. It was, crazy. it was all sorts of weirdness, but I played it and it was kind of. This is a game that I think did a lot of copy-paste, but didn't really know why. Mm, yeah. Which is kind of what we're getting into with the next point, is just, like, what lessons a lot of developers took when they went to make their own Souls games. And I think what I've seen from Neo 2 so far is they've kind of realized their strengths were not in just trying to emulate what the Dark Souls games were. They, they should be actually be more about trying to go off in the wayside and also still being extremely difficult. Trying to be, like, yeah. like the Devil May Cry of Souls games, mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to the Devil, so Dark Souls games and Devil May Cry. Yeah. Uh, there's also Darksiders 3, for those of you who are familiar and oh, fans man, of the fin- Darksiders I'm, I'm glad you finally resolved this plot line. We started with Patrick <laughs> Kiki Jr. like 20 episodes ago. Oh, I know, yeah. We were talking I like, about I whether or not you should buy it. this game. Yeah, so Aiden actually bought it for me, and I did play it, and I actually really liked it. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I do know that a lot of inspiration for the game came from Dark Souls in terms of its combat system being uh, a little bit more difficult, um, and it also has the wonderful replenishing health files, which was a super bonus <laughs> for me, um, and I actually thought it was really fun. My favorite part of the mechanics were actually, when you're in combat, you can... Uh, it's very well laid out as to when an enemy is going to strike you and you have an opportunity to counter. And when you counter, it does this really awesome, like, slow-mo kind of rumble, and then you can uh, hit Y to basically um, reflect that counter in, like, a really fun way and just cast this, like, arcane magic that hits for, like, all this damage. And it's really, really satisfying and really fun once you're kind of, like, in the zone. So I really appreciated the kind of style of the combat for that. And I personally didn't get sick of it. It didn't take me a long time to beat the game at all. I don't think it's very long. Um, but I don't know if you're, if you're looking for, if you're a fan of the Darksiders series and you kind of want a Souls game that's maybe like an entry into that kind of genre, um, I think Darksiders 3 is a cool place to start. It's not insane. It's just, it's kind of fun. (laughs) Two other games I want to touch on briefly just because they kind of violate key tenets or some of the key characteristics of the Dark Souls genre is The Surge, which is uh, very, very much a Souls-like game, but it's a sci-fi game, mm. which I think another soft one we could have added to the list is that most of these games are fantasy or yeah, fantastical. Yeah, it's true. And I think that's just because these games typically have to lend themselves really well to melee combat. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know, like, Dark Souls has arrows and magic <laughs> and Bloodborne has guns and yada, yada, yada. I, I know, but it's, it's, it's like, still, like, typically a game about positioning, because if, even if you aren't using melee combat, your opponent certainly are. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is Cuphead, which is yes. uh, right up there with Hollow Knight with the, the 2D mm-hmm. entry in the Souls likes. But uh, Cuphead has a black humor for its story as opposed yeah. to the very subtle and serious one. Yeah, it's a very interesting take on, on art style, on, yeah, on story. Um, but I think, oh, something I guess we kind of didn't touch on was, was boss fights. I think Souls games and Souls-like games are very well known for their boss fights. And all of these games have these cool, very interesting boss fights with interesting um, art and style happening. Um, So that makes it uh, pretty fun. (laughs) And Cuphead has some great ones, I'm told. I haven't played it, but it looks like a blast. (laughs) What I think is interesting is I think these games typically have to have serious stories because of their difficulty and just because of how grim the gameplay is and how seriously you'll be taking it as a player. I think Cuphead kind of skirts that a bit by having, like, the black humor. Yeah. Where it's kind of like saying, it's like, what if we made this fun little, like, I guess it would be, like, the the Mickey Mouse-style cartoons of, like, the (laughs) early 20th century. And it's like, what if you turn that into, like, a really dark video game? And it's kind of, it kind of has to have that black humor to it. Like, it can't be just a purely funny game or a purely dark game when you have a pitch, when you have a pitch like that. I think it pulls it off really well. So, we're nearly a decade into the the Souls genre 
at this yeah. point. And I think a lot of developers have taken the wrong lessons when they decide they're going to make a Souls game or a oh, Souls oh, oh. board game or anything to that effect. <laughs> and I think this is going to go quick. The first one is obvious. That difficulty, having a really hard game is not the same as having a challenging but fair game. And I think this is something that Neo struggled with a lot is that I remember towards the end of the game, they just kind of threw in a couple of boss fights again that they recycled from earlier. I'm not really sure what the point of it was. <laughs> I don't even think it's so much padding the game as much as it's just like, oh, it's like a skill test. And I'm like, well, you can't you can't skill test me with the, with the new boss. Yeah, yeah. I think um, with a lot of these games, and I'm I, think, I guess I'm thinking of Hollow Knight because I love that game so much. But it's you know it's it's a challenging game, like you said. But it, it is fair. I do believe that it gives you the tools and the capability and the way the game is designed, like the flow of the game enables you to right. be successful as you kind of practice and build your skills. It's not it's not being hard for the sake of just like being ridiculously hard, um, and it's not. It's not recycling things or throwing things at you for the sake of, you know, extending the content or, or testing your skills in like an insane kind of way. Like it's just, it's, the game is setting out to do kind of, to deliver this experience that it wants to, that it wants you to experience without kind of being ridiculous and over the top in terms of what mm -hmm. it's asking from its players. Um, and I know, I guess that's kind of like, it's kind of a hard thing to like wrap your head around as a designer because when you're looking at your game as a whole... It's like, well, you know, I want to make it, I want to make it challenging. I want to make it hard, but how hard is too hard? You know what I mean? I think yeah. we, did we, did we do an episode on this yeah, in the we past? Did. Yeah, difficulty. on like difficulty levels and stuff, right? Um, and so what it means to have a game that's challenging but fair, I think is also tough to like, to discern. Um, but I guess that that's when like, you know, what we always say, like playtesting comes in. Um, but yeah, it's something to be aware of. And I think it's something that's interesting to look for in Souls games and like Souls-like games and how they do that or right. what their take is on it. And I think we can learn a lot from that, whether they do it well or whether they don't do it well and, and explore the why of that. I think Mark Brown did a really interesting video on the why of the Souls genre yeah. and why we feel a need to make, make, this, make games like this. And I think it's the same reason we make games that fall in any other genre, that we as developers played a game that had a very good experience for us. Like, okay, I want to make a game that evokes the same feeling. Mm -hmm. But you you could just copy and paste do the same thing, mm -hmm. or you can try to iterate on it and do new things. And I think I always comment that that's exactly that's like that's like Blizzard's model right there. Yeah. They, they hire the best game developers and they just say, okay, this game works really well, perfect it. And yeah. that's where we get games like Overwatch and Hearthstone and things like that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like I think Mark Brown kind of made the case that like. We, we can't be like this. We have to innovate more. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of disagree with that a bit because I think there is also a lot of room for iteration within the genre because the more you innovate within the genre, like I'm saying, I'm going to make a Dark Souls game, but this time it's a racing game. And <laughs> it's like, okay, it's like at some point you're going to put the, you're putting at risk the experience you found so evocative mm -hmm. that you're, you're trying something so different that you're going to end up with something completely off the wall that may not work as well. Now, maybe you're in a position to do that and you want to take risks and try weird things and that can work out for you. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's any harm in just making more games that are, like Sekiro, they're really cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there is any issue with taking something that inspires you or an experience that inspires you and putting your own twist on it or, or trying, you know, especially as a first game to to literally, like as a designer, not copy that game, but copy that experience, right. I think is a total test of design skills and will teach you a lot about what you're looking for because you've already played the game. You already know what that experience is. So trying to copy that and have that, 
you know, in, in your own game, I think would be a great test of, of your skills as a designer and, and asking a lot of, you know, hard questions about what do I, what do I want to do here? This isn't working. Why isn't this working? Um, you know, obviously I'm not telling anybody to go plagiarize any, any games, but, but being able to know what you want out of your game by having played something that really, that really kind of stuck with you, I think is, is kind of cool. I think that's actually like a really good mark of uh, maturity as a game designer is you're able to take a game, say, okay, I'm going to iterate on this and realize what are the elements that I'm able to tweak. And I think that's something we're trying to work on with this podcast yeah. is saying, like, okay, like maybe you want to make a Souls game, but you don't like the way they've set up their stamina system as an interesting feedback loop for combat. So it's yeah. like, okay, so why did, why did the From Software designers put this feedback loop in? And what could I replace it with? Doesn't yeah. need to be replaced. How can I tweak this? You be, being able to identify the bits and parts mm-hmm. and how it was how it was put together is a great way for you be for you to be able to iterate on it in a really good way. Totally. All right. So I guess the million dollar question is here. I'm sure there's many people here who have seen games like this and have just been like, why, why would I play that game? It doesn't look like any fun at all. Why don't I just go play a game that I would find fun and let me win sometimes, mm-hmm. and not just beating my head against a wall. Yeah. So. For those people, why should we make games or Souls games? Um, well, I think it depends who you are as a player and what you want out of your gaming experience. I think Souls games, they are really great at, at really kind of pushing players to engage with their mechanics um, and to really know the game inside out in terms of the enemies that you're facing. Like, that's not just another skeleton, right? right. That's that's something that has this specific attack and I have to dodge this specific way or run this quickly by or time it in this way to be able to overcome that. And that can be a really fun and exciting experience to know a game so well that they were able to do that, right? Like I, I would totally suggest watching some speed runs of any of the Souls games. Uh, pe- what people do is just amazing. It's like watching art. Um, and I think that in itself is like proof that these games, they're, they're so well designed that they have all these options for players right. to engage in all these interesting ways. Like, um, I, I'm not going to get into this too much because we talked about it a lot in mm, our episode on difficulty, but yeah. I remember um, I was playing through Batman Arkham City, and my younger brother was playing through it at the same time, and he mm-hmm. was pretty young, wasn't, didn't quite have the hand-eye coordination to play these games properly. But he's <laughs> able to get through it just the same just by mashing the buttons. He didn't have to engage in all the game's mechanics to be able to beat it. Mm-hmm. And I was I was having a good time using all my counters and my gadgets <laughs> and things like that and having a fancy fancy old little time. But it wasn't it wasn't necessary. It was just like, yeah, I was beating the game more effectively, but he, yeah. he, he was still beating the game. Yeah. Dark Souls doesn't doesn't afford you that. Yes, you definitely have to you have to understand what it is that you're doing. Right. Um, and I, yeah, like you said, I don't think a lot of games kind of push you to do that. Like a lot of games I will just use one whatever attack gives me because I'm like well why would I do anything else actually that's what my one of my critiques of Darksiders 3 is like I did like the game but it also had a lot of problems one of the problems was it gives you a lot of different mechanics but never really forces you to use them um and in different ways and so I would consistently just use her one like whip chain thing which was really awesome and I loved and it would I had like three other weapons that I never even touched I just didn't touch I had the exact same beef with Witcher and I think um Yahtzee from Zero Punctuation mm. sums up in his review where it's like, he's like, oh, look at all these like little herbs and grass I picked <laughs> up. And the game's like, yeah, 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 you should build something with that. It's like, does it upgrade my health potion? And it's yeah. like, no, it's like, I don't care. I don't care. It's, yep. it's, if, if you can beat the game with the first two mechanics it gives you, a lot of players won't get past those first two mechanics. Yeah. That's what that's what having this very high challenge level of the Souls games can do. Yeah. And 
I know it sounds like we're kind of equating Souls games to difficulty, and frankly, back in, like, the early 2010s, I think that's what a lot of people did. Like, mm-hmm. I, I literally heard, it's like, this is the Dark Souls of NHL games. And I'm like, you're saying it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, hard. No, it's the Dark Souls of mm-hmm. NHL yeah, games. Yeah, so it's I'm really like, hard. Okay, okay, we get cool. it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think this is why we definitely listed off challenging as one of the as one of the signature parts of a Souls game. It's, yeah. Otherwise, it's just an action-adventure game to some extent. Yeah, and I think, too, with... Um, what the Dark Souls series does really well is it doesn't give you a bunch of new kind of weapons or abilities. You know what I mean? Like oftentimes right. you have you have like your your weapon that you're using. So mm-hmm. let's use like Bloodborne for exa- for an example. So you can you can upgrade different weapons, but you the weapon you choose at the start of the game you can take the whole way through just oh, yeah. by upgrading it. And then you get a gun at some point, and like that's that's like it, right? So what you're perfecting is not the use of all the different ways that you can combine different like like items together or combine right. you know different kind of like weapons together or whatever it's one weapon and it's how you use it and like that is what it's you're true. you're iterating on which i think is kind of like a nice simplification almost and this is something a, i praised a lot too way. that i oh, i can't remember the terms as well but essentially you level up within the context of the game and you level up with outside of the context mm-hmm. of the game mm-hmm. as in okay, I lost that boss fight, but I know how to dodge that move now. Yeah. So you leveled up, not in any meaningful way as far as the game's concerned, but you as a player are going to be more yeah. effective next time. And totally. I think that's a big part of what makes these games tick, is that maybe in Bloodborne, like I remember when I switched from Dark Souls to Bloodborne for the first time, like, I don't know how to, how, how, how do I beat this? I don't have a shield. This yeah. doesn't make any sense. And I realized I had to unlearn my strategies of Dark Souls and realize, okay, this is more of just a brawl, where I got to stay in there and get close the whole time so I can keep using the mechanic of every time I deal damage, I heal any immediate damage that was done to me. And that's the way I compensate for not having a shield. Yeah. And that is that is the game forced me to engage in its mechanics. Like, if Dark Souls and Bloodborne didn't, didn't have this high difficulty and high challenge level... I wouldn't have to learn how to do that. I yeah. could just hack and slash my way through like my brother was doing in Arkham City. <laughs> All right, you want to move into takeaways? Sure, let's move into takeaways. So I guess what we can take away from this episode is that the Souls games, I think they have created their own kind of genre, or maybe a subgenre at best, if people are going to get really picky. But I think what we can take from this is that there is always room to create these new ideas and to have things like, you know, a challenging game exist in a space that is accessible for many people. Um, I think these games can totally be for everyone Mm -hmm. if, you know, you put your mind to it. I think, you know, maybe some people, I don't think it's not that they couldn't do it. They may just not have the patience for it or something like that. Um, But I do think that, if, if it's done in a way that I think the Souls games have, they've kind of figured out this amazing formula, um, you, can, you can totally design whatever you want and have that be something that could, you know, potentially be successful. And I know there's a bunch of factors that go into what it means to be successful, but I guess in terms of creating a good game, there the Souls genre itself has kind of taught us there's, one, so many different ways to do it. There's been so many iterations, which is very exciting. Um, but also there are certain things that we've seen, you know, that come up again and again, like a, a state of flow, for example. Um, that's what we talked about in, in earlier episodes where a player, you know, they're they're balancing on the precipice of it being so ridiculously hard they give up and so ridiculously easy that they're bored, right? They do a great right. job of balancing right in the middle of that. What Aiden talked about before with it being not insanely difficult, but rather challenging and fair, right? They're, they're also having that sort of idea come in as well, the way that their narrative is delivered, right? That obviously works very well for what the game is trying to be, yeah, for the, the tone the game is, is going for. Yeah, exactly, right? So there are all of these factors working together that make the show's genre so accessible and successful and something that people want to continue to innovate and iterate 
on. And I think that's really interesting and something worth exploring and and designing. But I think it's also important to maintain those things that we said were required. Is For instance, like let's say we took away the melee combat. Let's say we made yeah. Dark Souls a shooter. <laughs> I think... That, da- that is damaging what it means to be a Souls game. No, I'm not saying it's like you're making it worse. I'm just saying you're making it not a Souls game. Because mm-hmm. having the melee-centered combat puts this big focus on positioning. But if it's a shooter, like imagine just playing Borderlands or Destiny or something. Like Think about how that combat goes. It's not a lot about movement. It's more yeah. just about staying on target for a while. <laughs> hoping you don't get killed and retreating and yeah. taking cover. It's not about this tactical back and forth. Yeah, so if you want to make... You know, you're inspired inspired by the Souls games and you want to make a Souls game, but you want to make it a shooter. You can say it's inspired by the Souls kind of difficulty of positioning, but then, right. you know, you need to figure out how to make that positioning kind I, of core to your game. I think it would game. look something like a tracer fighting a roadhog. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, You got to avoid that hook. You got to stay on target. You got to yeah. move real fast. But yeah. it's... Uh, the point is, I think there's ways to do all these things, and I think we just need to we need to know what makes this genre right. awesome and what you want to take from it or what you don't want to take from it. That's okay too. Is when we because when I when I'm joking around saying this is the Dark Souls of NHL just means someone saying oh this game is really hard. Mm-hmm. I think that when I'm when a game is characterized as a Souls game because of its difficulty, I think that is a good thing. I think that's something Dark Souls has done for the gaming genre as a whole. Yeah, it's just being able to push us back in a more challenging direction. Yeah. So. When you're looking to make these own games, I think any anything and everything is up for grabs. I think what we listed in the required section for what characterizes <laughs> a Souls game is still very much uh, in the biblical text of what makes a Souls game. And I don't think that's going to be innovated on for quite a while. Yeah. But I, I'm curious to see where this goes. Because like, I think with Sekiro, most recently, mm-hmm. From Software has shown that they're willing to strip away what I've viewed as the core tenets of a Souls game for a while, too. So Yeah, they're innovating on their own, on their own genre, which is very fun. And I was going to copy Sekiro, and it's like, we're innovators, too. It's like, it's not how this no, works. No, a little different. But, you know, as long as people are trying, having fun, making stuff, mixing and matching, you do you, boo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, on that note, we'll see everyone next time. Bye. <laughs> All right, so... I'm going to warn you guys, you're in for kind of a somber sign-off this week, but, you know, so it goes. I mean, it is Dark Souls, so. (laughs) Well, this is even going to get more somber than Dark Souls, and that's really saying something. So, uh, I started playing these games when I was pretty young, and, you know, how should I say this? I was young, and I was going going through some... (laughs) I was angsty. (laughs) Angsty is definitely a good word. I was going through some stuff in my life, and I think that's that's with everyone, really. And... uh, Something that I've always done is that when I'm in a funk or going through a bout of depression is I love to play video games and just get myself lost in them, just completely forget about the real world for a minute, just try to feel accomplished within the context of a video game. And that has been like a huge, huge help to me. And no games have done it better than the Souls genre. Like, frankly, I think I got fired from a job and that's the only reason I was ever ever able to be Demon Souls. (laughs) So, and it may sound weird, but I think it is just a big part of how the game will make you will make you feel weak but then also give you the tools to make you feel strong again. And I think that is just I don't know that that really resonates with me when I'm going when I'm going through a hard time. So, I don't know, it's like I think it's weird that like I think I've, I have like a I talk to people and they say it's like oh you should just you should just watch something cheery like watch a happy movie mm-hmm. and I'm just like no, I'm going to go play Dark Souls. Like, it's like, that's not going to help you get out of your funk, dude. Mm-hmm. It's Dark Souls. And it's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, you don't get it. <laughs> so, despite all the... And honestly, that's actually one of the themes of Dark Souls is perseverance and getting through these things and getting mm. through hard times is... The, the games do have this kind of subtle optimism to them. Or maybe yeah. not so subtle if you're looking at a character like Solaire. <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know. These games have really done a lot for me and helped me 
get through some of my mental health issues in my time. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 just a weird 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 thing for me that these games are all about darkness and <laughs> sadness and dilapidation, if that's even a word. And <laughs> how well they've done to help me get through my stuff. Yeah, video games are so wonderful. They have so many wonderful things that they can teach us and do for us and impact our lives. And I'm so glad that we get to talk about them and be a part of them. Thank you for listening to this episode of Panic Mode. You can reach us on social media at panicmode.net, all spelled out, or on our website, panicmode.net. We would love to hear any comments, questions, or feedback you have about today's episode. And we'll be back next time where we'll look at accessibility. We'll see you then.